Greetings, constant listeners. It's your boy, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman. Look, I know you're confused. I get it. You're probably wondering where our coverage on Later, Stephen King's new hard-boiled crime novel is, and that's a fair question. The short of it is that we decided to make the episode exclusive to the Barons, our wonderful and exciting Patreon. Don't worry, though. The episode will be here in the not-too-distant future, so if you wanted to check it out now, head to patreon.com slash thebarons. But if you'd rather wait, we hear you. The good news is that we do have a sweet treat for you, right here and right now. What you're about to hear up ahead is a Patreon episode from this past summer in which the losers, author Jason Pellegrini, and Suntup Editions founder Paul Suntup discuss the scariest and greatest artwork in King's Dominion. It's a really fun chat and one that will likely leave you searching for all the prints online, which you can do in the links we provided. I'm sure your wallet's going to thank you for that one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I got to go. Check you later over long days and pleasant nights. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. And welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Monroeville Mall Rothman. And I hope you have a sweet tooth because, boy, do I have a sweet treat for you. Today, as requested by Billy Schwenson, we're going to go against the golden rule of readers and librarians across the world, and we are going to judge books by their covers. Uh, now, before you reach for the phone to call the library policeman, know that we're not talking about the actual stories. No, 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 no. We wouldn't do that to Cy King. But we're going to be talking about the literal book covers, you know, the artwork, the terrifying imagery that haunts our bookshelves and has made some of us constant listeners and constant readers. Probably constant readers first before constant listeners. Otherwise, that really wouldn't make much sense. But uh, anyway, it's spooky stuff, which is why I'm pretty glad I'm not alone. Because uh, joining me in the stacks and ready to attack is a formidable panel chock full of familiar voices and special guests. And I think it would be good to start with my fellow loser. And you know her down in Nashville. Hey, this is Jen to the Rage Adams. <laughs> I've been looking through my shelves and I'm so excited. <laughs> me too, me too. I'm uh, very excited to be talking about some Stephen King covers. Uh, a yeah. lot of spooky ones and some sad ones actually out there also. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, Jen, like our favorite heroes in the stand, uh, <laughs> we got a big trap. We got some traveling to go, go on. Nice. So, but first, we need to go up to New York. Mm. Are we going through the tunnel or the bridge? I think we're going to go through the tunnel. I, I don't okay, want to go nice. through the bridge. I'm, I'm going to go. It is spooky season. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going Teddy, <laughs> uh, Teddy uh, uh, DeChamp and going to go. we, we got to go over the bridge or go into the tunnel. Okay. So who is <laughs> nice. in New York calling in? Uh, Jason Pellegrini. I am not cool enough to have a nickname like Mike. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm an author from Long Island and uh, I've read the stand, so I ain't going to the tunnel. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably a smart thing. Uh, Jason, how are you, you doing? It's been a while since we talked. Uh, you were uh, on our Collecting King episode back in, I want to say, 2018, but it might have been 2019. I, it... No, it, yeah, it was 2018. I've uh, been good. Uh, you know, bookshelf keeps growing. Uh, pop nice. collection keeps growing. And I 
try to keep writing. <laughs> yes. Well, this has been a good time for you, then, I imagine, for writing, right? You, or... would, you would think, but I, I think I've maybe written, like, 400 words since the pandemic started. Mm. But uh, I've been coming a lot of ideas. I just got to sit down and do it. I dedicated a lot of time to actually uh, reading and listening on uh, – I got an Audible. Oh, nice. So I've been, nice. I've actually been revisiting a lot of King on there, uh, which gives me, uh, you know, a lot of – New appreciation for some of the stuff he does. Yeah, mm, he has yeah. some really good audio books. I'm a big yeah, app, app pupil is now like, <laughs> I, I I see that book in a new, even more disturbing light now that I've heard somebody dictate it to me. Oh wow! <laughs> and how messed up it is. Yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah that's I've a dark one. I've actually only listened to a couple of the audio books of his. I, I listened to Stephen Weber, who I think did it. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember if. Yeah, I think it was him. Um, yes. Because I remember listening to that when we were doing our reread a couple years ago, and I was like, I just read this book like two fucking years ago. I don't know. Do I really have to sit there with this again? (laughs) Like, um, no, you know, no shade to to it. I love that book, but um, Weber certainly uh, made me appreciate a little bit more, and it was interesting uh, hearing from uh, the second Jack Torrance. Um, But hey, Jason, hop in because guess what? We got to drive. We got a long drive. (laughs) We're going from New York all the way to Boise, Idaho. Who's there? Hey, this is Rachel Knight Reeves. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, by day, I'm a record store clerk at the Record Exchange here in Boise. By night, a freelance writer for sites like Nightmare on Film Street, Rue Morgue, uh, Film Cred, and Valingo. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, actually, it's through Nightmare on Film Street that I found... Uh, on your work on uh, the 10 best Stephen King book jackets. So it, you certainly have an authority on this subject. Um, and and I wondered, what was, uh, you know, how have you been reading Stephen King your whole life? Not my whole life. My family was a little conservative, but I did read a lot. And so it was just a matter of time before I kind of stumbled upon his stuff at the library. And yeah, just ever since probably... I don't know, teenage years, I think, is when I kind of started getting into it. And since then, of course, like once once you read a few, you're hooked and oh. have been doing it ever since. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Well, I got some great questions coming up uh, re- related to the, the, you know, the salad days of uh, your King, uh, you know, um, fandom. So we'll stick to those in just a little bit. But um, look, you know. How have you been in the in the pandemic, by the way? Uh, is everything going right, or um, how is how the how is the record store actually? Look, we've you know, Losers Club is part of Consequence of Sound. We are huge music aficionados. Uh, we've covered, I believe it's Tree Fort Festival that was in. Yes, yeah, it is. Um, very very cool fest. Lo- my brother is uh, personally obsessed with Boise. Um, tried to convince me to move out there. Um, but he didn't want to move. He didn't move out there. He, he moved down. <laughs> so, far. so I was like, wait, what are you doing? Like you're trying yeah. to sell me on a city that you're moving. I'm moving to. But uh, how are things in the, during the pandemic? It's, it's, we're doing good now. Yeah. The store was closed for about two and a half months. And so that was a little scary for a minute, but, uh, we're back open now. Our owners have taken everything really seriously from the very beginning. And luckily our community and our customers have for the majority been really supportive of that. So, uh, we've been able to open uh, with, you know, some safety measures in place, and it's been great. I think more people are spending time, you know, at home, obviously, mm-hmm. which gives them more time to listen to music. Um, so we've seen actually vinyl sales do really strongly, and the first record store day drop just happened, and that went amazing. So I have a lot of hope 
and feel really um, lucky to have a community that supports their local record store. Love it. Yeah. I mean, vinyl is just, it's funny because I I was a huge vinyl collector before I became a big book collector um, because of King. So um, always looking out for the the next big uh, vinyl release and Record Store Day has got some really great stuff this year. So very excited to see um, where they're going with that. And it's good to hear that, that things are going fine. I'm, I was, I know I'm still worried about what's going on with like independent venues out there, but it's always nice to know that the record stores are able to survive all this and, um, things are trending. I believe we just, I think we just wrote an article about how like vinyl sales just surpass CD sales, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, well, Hey, why don't you grab a Beach Boys record from the aisle? <laughs> because we're t- going to go from Boise and we're going out west, we're even further west. We're going to go to California, specifically Orange County. And I'm not here to uh, see Colin Hanks and uh, Jack Black. Uh, I am here to see one Paul Suntup, who honestly is quite a quite a coup here because he is literally taken the art that we've been talking or that we're going to be talking about and creating it, uh, actual art for us to have in our homes. Paul, how are you doing? And, um, is, uh, is California, is everything going okay in California? Hey man. Yeah. Everything's fine with me. Thank you. Um, I'm Paul Suntup, as you said, and I'm the founder of Suntup Editions. Uh, we, you know, we publish, um, signed limited editions of famous novels um but i guess in the context of our discussion today um you know when i first started out one of the first things i did was release this line of um jicle prints of the artwork from the stephen king novels Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah i was only going to do about 10 or 15 this was in 2017 and um I didn't realize it would snowball into where it's got right now. It's not, it's a secondary sort of line for me. You know, mm. I focus mostly on the books that we publish. Um, but this has continued to go on now for the fourth year. And we've announced we're coming up on the 50th cover, 50 prints. Oh, wow. So um, cool. And it'll continue on through about another 12 months. So there should be at least 60 prints in the series. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, I, I just even sharing it with my fellow co-hosts uh, over the last weekend. I because I, I remember stumbling upon it a few years ago when it first initially dropped, and then now that we've just gotten so entrenched in King Lore, I, I was just looking at so so many of them last night, and I was like, you know, and I was turning to my girlfriend, just being like, you know, I, you know, we saved a lot of money during this pandemic. <laughs> I think. Uh, it's, I think I want to add some stuff to the wall. Uh, so there's certainly, guys, there's certainly some prints in there that just are, are amazing. Um, how did you, how did, first off, how did that project start for you? Um, and, and, and how did, you've connected with the majority of the artists that are involved with them, right? Correct. Yeah. Every one of them who's, you know, still living, um, the, uh, you know, it, 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 it evolved out of, a project I was doing around about that time, around the end of 2016, early 2017. And I was rebinding books, and I think it was, I had done The Eyes of the Dragon, I was just buying book block uh, books, you know, first editions, mm-hmm. and then having a book binder, put new covers on them, like fancy new leather covers. And I was enjoying it so much, so I did a second book, and it was Firestarter. I think it was Firestarter that kicked us off, because I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see if I can find the artist, if he's still around, and have him sign a little print, right? So 
I tracked him down, Steve Stroud, a great guy, and um, he agreed to sign this print. So I went out finding a, a Jiglay art printer who would do them, and we did that, and it went out with the Rebound book. And then I think it was that print that the idea started in my mind um, about, you know, I, I thought, well, if I'm doing this six by nine print, wouldn't it be cool if we can do larger ones? Yeah. And <laughs> I guess the rest is history. I mean, <laughs> awesome. you know, the, I think we're all collectors in some way, whether it's vinyl or books. Um, and I've always been a collector my whole life. You know, when I was collecting Stephen King, I was doing that. And then once I started the publishing business, I kind of had to slow down on my collecting, but it, the collector bug kind of came back in a different way. And that mm -hmm. was, I just was determined to hunt down as many artists as I possibly could. Um, and I was very successful in it. You know, we, I invested in the Jiclay printer myself. Uh, so, cause to do it, to outsource the printing was just impossible. It was too expensive. So I bought the printer and we print, print them all in house That's and, so cool. um, Got them out to the artists and just made contacts with all of them. You know, we've had connections with every artist whose print we put out. Well, I, I think it strikes a nerve because, and I think it's it's become become so successful because I think for so many constant readers out there, I mean, the legacy of King really goes back to the book art. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. especially for those who grew up in the 70s and 80s i was born in 84 so I, I saw a lot of king through you know movie posters and whatnot but you know before the internet before the late night interviews and and even before his movies started dominating cinemas especially like they do today um or at least before the pandemic um you know the covers and especially all those author photos they really were all you had to work on you know when it came to the lore of king and that's why i you know i'm so excited to talk about you know, and look back at all this artwork and especially all the creative people that were responsible for carving that legacy. Um, I mean, you mentioned a few, Paul, but, uh, they, you know, like it really does kind of start with Dave Christensen's like Salem's Lot and then, um, mm -hmm. you know, and all the paperbacks that Don, God, I'm going to butcher this Don name. Brodigan? Yeah, Brodigan. Like, yeah. they, they really did like kick down the door for so much to come. I and mean, you got like, as you mentioned, like Stephen Stroud's, the the Bernie Wrightsons with like the collaborations with King and, um, you know, Michael Whelan and, and Tony Morrow, who, you know, created the Dark Tower universe before um, uh, the Nicola Zarshell uh, did in 2017. Um, and, and then, you know, all of which seems to really culminate with, you know, Rob Wood's run in the 90s that, God, I, mm. I, I kind of argue would kind of set a precedent for King's uh, look that I, I don't think has really been surpassed since, but, um, and I, and I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up in that borders B Dalton, uh, Walden books era, but man, when I think of King, I, I really do go to, to Wood's work and, and it really, you know, like the covers for Neville things. I remember it sitting on the shelf and that being a new book. And, um, you know, from there, like Gerald's game and Dolores Claiborne and that typeface font and that, that one photo of King, where he's like got the the razor cut hair and he's like looking off to the right for, and it just that that informs so much of like what Stephen King was for me and you know that's what comes to mind when I hear the word Stephen King so I, I wanted to know you know Jen when I say Stephen King like what cover flashes for you you know um I think the it cover mm -hmm. I think um and like because I grew up seeing these books on my dad's bookshelf and that was that's the one 
that really sticks out. And I would look at it and I think for a long time I thought there was going to be a dinosaur in it because mm-hmm. it has kind of those claws sticking out of the, uh, the subway grate, the sewer grates, not the subway grates. Um, and it just was so fascinating to me. And I don't, I tend to, um, I like paperbacks better just cause I kind of like the feel of holding them better. So a lot of like the art that I see, I've like grown up looking at the paperback versions of these. So it's really fascinating for me to see how those kind of change with the hardcover, like what we know of as it, and then the version that's on the paperback edition. Too, oh, I know. Mine's a little different. And I loved like how that book is so thick. And I was just always fascinated that you could write the title of the book um, crosswise and you didn't have to write it longwise. And I was like, ooh, I got to read all those pages one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned the dinosaur thing because I remember, I, I genuinely remember uh, looking at the book as a kid and being and having no idea that it, there was a clown involved. And it really wasn't right. until like later on when they started doing, I mean, I, I guess the UK print has the, co- the the clown cover on it, but like it really wasn't until later on, especially with like the Tim Curry stuff that when it really hit mainstream with that like that i thought i I associated like it with the clown you know it Mm -hmm. really was that claw um but rachel Mm -hmm. what was the first stephen king cover you remember seeing so it's it's kind of funny that the first stephen king books i remember seeing were more of the fantasy stuff Mm. my my Mm. mom is a librarian which is oh awesome (laughs) and she she was really into like and McCaffrey in the 80s <laughs> and a lot of you know the sci-fi fantasy romance books and I so I think I I think Talisman was the first one that mm. I remember reading and I think she she let me get away with that because it was like oh this is a fantasy book and then <laughs> through that I found the Dark Tower series and so I kind of came around the other way versus like more of the horror stuff but i remember like especially the dark tower covers like at the library of course um seeing those and just being like just really drawn in by them mm-hmm. were you surprised then to to know that he was like a horror author at that yeah and like it was kind of perfect because as i was getting more interested in that stuff in my teenage years and like discovering just kind of the wealth of stuff um and especially, so I, I was in high school in like the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And so the stuff that was coming out around that time too was just feeding, you know, feeding all of that and then discovering more and more. It was, yeah, it was great. It, it went, I, it evolved along with me, which was nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Jason, yeah. you're a longtime collector, uh, you know, as we discussed in the previous Losers Club episode. And for you, what run would you say you think about the most when like you when someone mentions like all right hey Stephen King first editions? Uh jeez. I mean it I mean I, I but we already talked about that, so I I'm gonna go with I would say the shining. Mm-hmm. I mean you can't really I, I would say that's probably his most iconic. Um but it's that as far as like a run goes, it's that I guess the eighties cause it's that b- most of the black spine with the red title and the white, I don't know what the font's called, but like not even so much the, the, the covers it's just how the spines for some reason that's mm-hmm. uh, from that era. But even, even, even the covers themselves, they kind of, um, I don't know who the, the artist was during that era. There's like a multitude of different ones that, that, that came around. I mean, there were some one-offs here. There were, um, especially just the later era, 
um you i mean you got like there's just so many um that are on there but like like bob eusty who did it and misery uh i mean linda fenimore who did like pet cemetery and that was like i think even a one-off maybe like it's just it's the the spine is interesting though i didn't think about that when actually considering this episode because what do we see most of the spine i mean they're sitting on our bookshelf and i'm looking i'm sorry i'm looking right at my bookshelf right now i mean it uh gerald's game misery dolores claiborne christine tommy knockers cujo and the dead zone they vary here and there, but they're pretty much following the, the same exact mm-hmm. form. And even if you, you flip the uh, the uh, book covers, they even though the the uh, artwork is different, it's still the same. It's I guess you could say in the same format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I wonder if that had more to do with his influence on the legacy than the actual movies and adaptations and lore itself. Like I, I wonder if like because there was such a cohesiveness to that style, even if there were various artists going in and out, like if that was something that really contributed to like Stephen King becoming such a, a world renowned um, presence of like the master of horror. I mean, cause like you look back at like some of his, you know, some of his works of the last 20 years, like they all feel different, you know, like they, they all mm-hmm. have different t- uh, typeface now. Um, I mean, you go from like Duma Key to eleven twenty two sixty three. They look like very like two different authors. Like they and they're and they're only record. They're only like released within like what like four years apart. Like, so it is kind of interesting to think of that that era of the eighties being like like when you think of King. I mean, I, I think it's fair. Um, but Paul, I mean, look, you work with these artists. Um, for you, wh- whose work really comes to mind? Like when you when someone says Stephen King to you, um, y- you know, just in the past. You know, it's like with anything you when you hear a song, it brings back memories, right? Mm-hmm. Of a time when you listen to that song. Um, it's the same when you say, hey, Paul, um, you know, what do you what covers do you think of when you hear Stephen King? Well, for me, you know, it has to be um, when I first discovered him, you know, I was 19 and oh, how I was, fitting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I was in, you know, I'm from South Africa, so I was still in South Africa at this time. And my experience of the King covers was very different because mm-hmm. in that country, we would get the U- the UK covers, the UK books mm. in, in that market, right? So the very first book that I um, discovered was The Eyes of the Dragon, and it was the UK cover. So I cannot, it's impossible for me to not associate, you know, that book and that cover with King. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right after that, when misery hit it again it was the uk cover with that um, typewriter and i've never been able to find the artist for that uk misery um but once i once the bug once i had the bug and i discovered that oh there's all these us editions as well with all these cool covers <laughs> so <laughs> then i started to buy from specialty dealers in the us and that's when I started to discover. And the ones that, you know, are memorable to me are the classics, you know, mm-hmm. um, The Shining, Dave Christensen's work. And, you know, Dave was really the first artist, um, aside from Carrie. Yeah. You know, then Salem's Lot, The Shining, that was Dave and Dave, mm-hmm. you know, right back to back. Um, and then Bob Giusti's cover is just a classic for me, uh, both It and Misery. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Firestar is very memorable just because I think it's a very Im- impactful, kind of powerful image. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
the the you know the Rob Woods as well because it sort of defined an era of King books that came out at that time because yeah. you know he did five covers. Yeah. Um. So. And, you know, the thing is, the styles change over the decades, right? You talk about how covers differ from book to book, spread a few years apart. Um, this just the artist's styles differ. And as the decades um, went by, so I felt the way I feel about it is they changed. And you talk to, you know, like Linda Fenimore. For me, this is probably one of the most iconic, most totally. um, beautiful covers of the Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, when I talked to her, when we interviewed her for the series, she told us the background and how she was given the commission and was given certain instructions to create the piece. And as an artist, you know, you're given a commission and some instructions and they go and go about and do their thing. Um, but I think what's really beautiful about this is that um, at the time, you know, sure, he, Stephen King was a big name back then, and the artists were so grateful to have got these pieces. Um, but I don't know that they really understood that all these decades later that we sh- we're talking about this artwork that they created, you know, and it and it lives on. Um, mm-hmm. David Palladini, you know, just a, I, I just, he was such a good friend of mine, you know, and he passed away about a year and a half ago. Oh. Um, and he and I kind of found each other in the last um, three years of his life. And uh, each of us came together at a time when we both really needed that in, for, in our lives. We mm-hmm. did something for each other through this. And we came together over his Eyes of the Dragon cover, right? Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, too, how that changed his life at the time. You know, he was a starving artist and not making much money. And he this commission dropped. <laughs> and um, he was carpenter in the Hamptons and he heard about this commission and he became famous, you know, from all the illustrations he had done. Um, so it's just very far reaching, you know, King directly and then indirectly the artists that have been involved. Oh yeah. Well, for, I, um, I mean, do you, but to go off what you're saying, I mean, by the time eyes of the dragon was, uh, released, he was already established. So obviously, right. you know, this is a big deal. Right. The Shining or like Salem's Lot, I mean, when you're doing that, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is like while Metallica is recording the Black Album, do they know they're about to make something that's <laughs> going to change music? Mm-hmm. But, like, do these artists like have any idea like what what they're they've like no idea what they're about to like embark on? Like, mm-hmm. like you right. said, uh, The Shining is probably his mo- most iconic cover on the maybe next to it but like he had to have no idea what you know that cover would we'd be talking right. about what 40 years later yeah. mm-hmm. i don't think he did i don't think he did and you know i'm in touch with these artists even to this day because we'll get these requests that come up for t-shirts and um wanting to use the art on t-shirts and i think they're just they're so pleased that their art has lived on this long, you know. Uh, especially Dave. Dave is just the great, the greatest guy. Uh, he's, he's just a perfect artist to deal with, and will do whatever you ask him to do. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting how at the sort of the beginning of some of their careers, they did this thing, and so it went. 
and it lived on you know and it's mm-hmm. and it's so rare i mean especially for the book medium i mean i'm sure there there are definitely different authors out there that can warrant that sort of merchandising or um that iconography but i mean god i, I can't really i'm trying a blank to like too many authors that out there that actually could do that where they could literally create like a museum <laughs> of all the pop culture <laughs> artwork that's out there i mean and, and it's Rowling. yeah well well we're gonna we're gonna avoid that conversation <laughs> uh, on today's episode um uh, for, i'm gonna plead the fifth on that one um but but yeah but you're right though i mean but it's it but it's very few and far between and you know and and, and i wondered with we just like looking through instagram even uh, over the past few years there is something about the artwork of king's work even over some iconic authors i mean like like the catcher in the rye and um you look at like the great gatsby i mean they've certainly made like shirts and, and merchandise that are up for it but like god i feel like i feel like every one of his books has like a reason to not not just exist but like to be on a print to be on a shirt and so that's mm-hmm. that's why i'm not surprised paul that like this you know this idea this gallery has like extended so many years because you have so much to work with um yeah and much. and i and i did want to ask like you know just without getting too much into you know the the dollars and cents of it like what works have been like the most successful that you've seen over the last few years which uh covers you mean the yeah print? yeah well it's I'll, I'll try to answer that but but i have to say this first and that's about 95 to 99 percent of the prints that are released each month are sold to subscribers you know mm-hmm. the covers collection series is basically a subscription service it was kicked off that way i mean they can't they can be purchased individually but um so they all sell the same pretty much in in that the subscribers um take up the majority of the prints right um but interestingly interestingly enough um just off the top of my head <laughs> you know without having to look at reports yeah yeah uh, mike whalen michael whalen is up there um for obvious reasons yeah you know very popular artist especially within the stephen king world mm-hmm. um and one too that really surprised me but maybe shouldn't have because of the what it the cover that it is and that's the steve stone covers you know the so when viking reprinted the first four books of the dark tower series uh as hard covers and they put a jacket on that they hired steve stone to do the the jacket art mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. So when we when we announced the, um, the gunslinger uh, of his print, um, that sold more than um, outside of the subscribers than any other print. Wow, wow! I mean, yeah. that, that actually isn't too surprising because because the the Dark Tower fan base is just so rabid. Sure, it, yeah. it, it's wild, and, and I think it's a lot of it's because it's so it really is one of the last like fan cultures that still is on the fringe i mean i grant granted they still had like a you know they had like a major motion picture that didn't do too well and you know they tried to do the amazon series and whatnot but like for the most part it it, it hasn't reached that ubiquity that like even something like game of thrones or lord of the rings or any of that has like so it's like there is like a dedication to it and then also so little out there that like anything that does pop up i imagine people are just rabid for it and they just eat it up yeah you know Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like, that Gunslinger cover, the one you were just speaking of, that's I would call that iconic. Oh yeah, the, the artwork itself. 
It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's him, great. The, the crow and the skull. If I'm not, I'm just gonna have books fine. But uh, he's standing. Yeah, that's right. The crow's on the on the ground with on the bones, and he's the gunslinger standing um, over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that's probably one of his more iconic imagery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think it helps that there's not like an agreed upon like film adaptation too. So like these are some of the only images that we really have that we're not angry about. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of helps with the Dark Tower series too. Yeah. I think that's huge. I agree mm-hmm. with you totally. That this this is you know these images are what we know and expect, and we don't ha- yeah we don't have another association for them. I think that's totally right. right. Yeah, I mean, and it's and I feel like it's going to be like that for a very long time, <laughs> yeah. which is unfortunate. But, um, yeah. you know, well, hey, I get, mad, I get mad when I see the the Dark Tower books with the little print of Idris Elba and the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me so angry. I know. Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be a, a little bit longer until we we yeah. get uh, we get an adaptation. But um, we're here. We're going to be discussing. Uh, we're we're going to move into the reason why this panel has been assembled we're going to be discussing our our uh, favorite forgotten covers our favorite uh i don't even have to use favorite anymore what we think are the greatest covers um what we think is the most iconic cover and what we think is the scariest cover and look let's start with the forgotten um i didn't want to use worst here because i just think it's unfair to say because i think most of the covers out there all have merits and all have um there's a positive uh, you know they're they're all positive to it. So we're gonna we're gonna start with the forgotten cover, and, and I wanted to discuss the ones that maybe have been overlooked, or maybe we don't that they just don't work for the story. Um, I, I'll kick it off just to, to you know for brevity's sake, but I got to say I, I am a sucker for '70s nostalgia, and I admittedly love the the YA charm of uh, Alex Godfrey's cover for Carrie, but I just. I just don't think it's emblematic of the story and of King. Um, you know, I, I think it's kind of an outlier. Um, and I, and I, and I, and it makes sense why it's an outlier because, you know, at the time, nobody, not even King, uh, who threw away the novel, um, had any clue what was going to come. So I guess you could kind of argue that it being an outlier works for the story because Carrie is an outlier. But I kind of look at it the same way I look at like early Nirvana singles where, you know, there's 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 songs with like chad channing but that's not the band <laughs> like you know like oh we know what's gonna happen like dave girl's gonna come on they're gonna become fucking huge and then that's the nirvana we know and that's kind of where i have i, I kind of have carry as a forgotten cover because even i'll be at book shows and i'll see carrie on a rack sometimes you know for three thousand four thousand dollars and even then like five years, 10 years of knowing what it is, I still am taken aback being like, oh, wow, I, for- I always forget that's what the fucking cover for Carrie is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jen, what, 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 do you, what do you think? What is a, a forgotten cover for you? Um, and I, I apologize if I've already taken Carrie. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, I think the one for me is um, Christine, um, or at least the paperback that I had, because I, I'm a sucker for like text design. And I love just the the old like classic car font of like Christine and there's like the skull on top. And I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure who the artist of that is, but um, I just love the simplicity of that. And I love all of the kind of older ones. I had the Salem's Lot paperback growing up, too, that was all black except oh, yeah. for like fangs and the blood. 
Um, and I just love like the simplicity of that. And it just like really intrigued me for what the story was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? So in terms of one that doesn't, maybe it doesn't work for me on a personal level and I feel bad saying this, but, uh, the, <laughs> uh, desperation and Mark, Mark Ryden did the artwork for it. I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think mm-hmm. it's mainly, I feel bad, but I think it's just like the style of that artwork to mm-hmm. me, like doesn't really come across as Stephen King. Um, yeah, so that's one. And then just some of the other ones that are like just text, like the dark half, I think um, yeah. that one just really does not do the book any sort of justice. It doesn't really tell you much of anything about it, in my opinion, which is a disservice, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually feel like the dark half got better with y- the years following. Um, mm-hmm. Like I've seen some really good ones that have come out in the reprints. But I remember when I was really adamantly looking for first editions and I stumbled upon the dark half and I was like, Oh man, I don't have this one, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it I'll do- pick it, it up. Really sell you- yeah. It doesn't really sell you on it. It's just like, oh, okay, a Stephen King book. Cool. But it doesn't draw you in as much as some of the other ones do. No, for sure. it, it almost feels like a 1997 rental or something like that. Like a VHS case. <laughs> it's like, you know, where we're going to, we're going to put this on VHS. Hope we get some blockbuster dollars on there, but, uh, uh, go nuts. Um, yeah, you know, but they're, they're actually it's it's funny guys. I've seen the paperback version of the dark the dark half like the George Romero um, motion like it's like now a major motion picture and that looks far more alluring to me than the one that that we got where it's just the the title on there. I I don't I don't know what it is that they 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 literally this is like this dropped during an era of like some of his best covers and it's just like it's weird that 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 didn't mm. really get the artwork that it has and especially with the story. You think that would be like so rich to have something big. You have like the, you know, you obviously have the crows. You have the, the, the duplicity of, you know, Tad and George. It just seems weird that they didn't have, I mean, it's a castle rock story for Christ's sake. Like mm-hmm. give us some art. I don't know. It's weird. Um, Jason, wh- what about you? What, what's, what's one that just doesn't, just doesn't work for you or maybe one that you, we, we often overlook. Oh, I mean, Carrie's the obvious one, but we, uh, I apologize. <laughs> well, we talked about that one in in the episode that we did. So yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, Night shift. I just I'm looking at my bookshelf now. I don't I don't get night the the first edition of Night Shift. Yeah, it's just a print. Like it's just text with mm-hmm. it looks like there's some blood on it. Mm. But the uh, I love the paperback edition of Night Shift. Mm. Oh, the, God, the yeah. End with the the eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it wasn't created at that point in time, but I'm like, that would that would be a better hardcover. Than oh that. no, it is. Yeah, like that. Then that was Don Brownigan. Like that. That are. I mean, in terms of, I'm going to go share some you know thoughts from our uh, constant listeners. But that was a that's a fan favorite. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the it's such a it's night and day when you're thinking about the covers for the hardcover of the first edition versus like the ones for the paperback. And and I and I do credit. I almost feel like I credit like Don, like Brodigan for like being able to kind of carve out the look of Stephen King for the years following because when you look at the night shift cover it really yeah it looks like uh, I mean it looks like a Philip Roth book mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you know it just doesn't really speak to King but again it's it's that that era where they're kind of finding the footing a little bit um, and you could help I mean I've never read Skeleton Crew but what's up with the monkey 
<laughs> well, there there is the monkey. So that that is the mm-hmm. that's the animation oh, okay. that's on there. Yeah, like it's that one does make sense because um it's actually one of the weaker stories in that book, but um it's it certainly makes sense for the iconography for it. Um because you couldn't have it'd be hard to do the mist on yeah. there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, uh, hey, they get the singlet of the mist with uh uh, just recently. Yeah, they did. They, they've been doing that a lot, actually, with his, some of his novellas and short stories. They've just, I feel like they've kind of like capitalized on, like they've separated in different seasons now at this point, um, mm. which I'm not a huge fan of doing that. I just, you know, leave it as is. Yeah. It needs to be with the other. Like for that one, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, a bloody handprint on, I guess, a uh, fogged up window. Maybe. Which makes mm-hmm. sense. That, that works. Mm-hmm. That works. Or tentacle I, or something. Yeah. Hey, I like to see my man, uh, Thomas Jane, uh, standing right there front and center in front of the, uh, the, the storefront. You can see his gorgeous body. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, love that. Uh, Paul, what, what about you? What, what, are, what, are, what are some um, covers that um, you feel either are um, underrated, uh, overlooked, or just ones that just didn't um, work with the story for you? Yeah, I got a few from both of those categories. So the ones that have been mentioned, uh, a couple more that weren't mentioned, I'd say um, – uh, is the talisman you know mm-hmm. we're talking about covers that are primarily text-based right yeah. um so the talisman i guess would be one of those um and another one is uh the insomnia right yes mm-hmm. yeah the yeah positions. yeah um so those maybe because it doesn't have some kind of iconic artwork that we tend to forget about them you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but then there's others that maybe have not been memorable or have been forgotten, but not because the covers aren't good. Um, in fact, there's some that I just love the artwork that perhaps we don't really think about much. And it might be because they're UK covers. You know, some of the UK mm-hmm. art is really nice. Um, oh, they are, yeah. Jerry Grace, you know, his cover for it. Oh, it's so awesome. But, yeah, that where the house is transforming. Um, I thought that's a really nice cover great artwork and uh paul, paul Bryn davies did um the first uh, uk paperback of it with the balloon floating up the red balloon and it's kind of a dark background and oh, then yeah yeah mm-hmm. sewer you got this the rain uh, running down the sewer yeah eyeballs yeah the eyeballs that one that's right yeah that's my favorite it cover I love that one. It's so yeah, cool. Yeah, that one's so good. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the one other one, which I really love this cover, um, and it's never really spoken of. It's Roadwork by Daryl Mills- Daryl Millsap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Roadwork paperback. Uh, it's just a, you know, vintage. A whole, it really looks like one of those classic kind of vintage style paintings that are used on paperback covers that, because it was a paperback original. Um, and I just think it's a great cover. It's just beautiful artwork, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really think the Bachman covers are really underrated. Like I, I love the long walk original cover. <laughs> like it reminds me of like an Atari 2600 game. <laughs> 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 it's just so cool. The oranges on there. I, I have, I've looked forever for a cover of that, but, or the actual, um, uh, paperback version of it. But yeah, th- there's something like, like deliciously vintage about those covers that I, I just, I love to death. Um, yeah. You, you know, what's interesting is there's, there's so much art that is just lost to the sands of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about these artists who worked, you know, in, in let's say, let's just say the seventies or the eighties or even the sixties. Um, and I'll tell you what, these guys created, you know, sometimes over a thousand covers, 
for books, yeah. right? Like when I met up with um, Daryl Millsap's daughter when I was doing that print, right? And I discovered this this um, incredible body of work from this artist who did hundreds and hundreds of book covers, you know. Um, and all of these pieces are just really wonderful, but you never get to see them, you know. But I guess in since we're talking about Stephen King covers, um, those tend not to be lost, you know, yeah. because of Stephen King books. Um, and I think through the prints too, I've you know I've been able to kind of revive some of them, and I think it's been kind of helpful to to, get, to have them documented that way as well. I agree. I mean, and that's yeah. one of the things I love about the gallery is that like is the, the idea that it's kind of my, one of my problems I have with the theatrical posters right now in Hollywood is that like there's a trend that started in like I believe the nineties where we were just like, well, let's just put everyone's face on there. And it's almost like mm -hmm. Hollywood had like the SEO before SEO <laughs> it was like, all right, well, we got to put all the names and the photos and the, the faces <laughs> and they're not even really together, but we're going to have them there anyway. And, um, you know, even though we have like, I always think of like the X-Files I want to believe, which is like such a Photoshopped poster, theatrical poster. And it's like, you literally have the two co-stars of this fucking movie and you have to Photoshop them like on a poster that's going to be <laughs> on every theater across America. And it's almost the same way with books where I, I walk through, um, you know, before uh, the, the whole world shut down, like I'd walk through books, you know, the, the bookstores and I'd, I'd just look at some of the books now. I'm just like, God, like what happened to like the iconography here? I mean, and, mm -hmm. and I think there's something really sad about the fact that like I get like new publishers will get the, you know, they got, we got to get the new modern look on the book. But like you had artwork that was commissioned for this book and it's intrinsic to that story. And it's kind of a disservice to not only mm -hmm. the artist, but the story itself when you're just going to refashion it to this like minimalistic you know, oh, the shadow, like here's the shining's going to be reissued with like a, a guy with a shadow and an ax. Like, okay, well mm. you have original artwork that was made 40 years ago. That's gorgeous. That's on t-shirts. That's on posters. That's on people's walls now. And why don't you use that? I, I don't know. It's just, it's something that really frustrates me. Um, and yeah, you know, for sure. I mean, look at, uh, not to get off topic because we don't, we don't have to, I just want to mention this. Like look at Robert McGinnis. Okay, mm -hmm. if you look at Robert McGinnis covers that he had done throughout his career, this to me is the pinnacle of, you know, the classic what we call now vintage cover, mm -hmm. right? Beautiful, just beautiful paintings that they put on a cover of a paperback. Um, this is the style, you know, of art that, that really interests me and excites me. And like I say, over the decades, styles change. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you, you feel nostalgia for that which has passed and that can be with anything really um paul bacon was another one he did all these i mean over a thousand covers um don't quote me on that but i'm probably <laughs> this um, you know so and i know that robin beginner certainly has well over a thousand covers you know wow. um and some of that style i think touched the stephen king universe because of the time period right and perhaps these are the covers that uh, become memorable to us because of that and you grow up with them right you, yeah. you remember what are the covers which you when you started this conversation that you remember most what in your bookshelf what do you see in, you know, in the bookstore and and that's kind of what i love about this you know nostalgia can be toxic it can be like it can be dangerous <laughs> and stuff like that but one of the things i will say that i love about this like newfound nostalgia is that it really is making sort of people understand like appreciate things from like the past that like 
say the you know for lack of a better word the suits have like kind of pressed away you know for for the you know for the sake of like newness um you know and and like with people the more you know kids that are in teens or adults that are wearing like you know shirts from like the original paperback of the stand or it like there's more reason of being like feel like oh yeah that's what they associate with it so like let's get it on the cover you know there's reason Mm -hmm. for it um so I don't know. Yeah. I th- I think that that's that's been kind of the way I've been able to positive do a positive spin on the nostalgia uh, <laughs> angle for it. Um, you know, I know a lot of people you know yeah. frowned at Stranger Things when it first came out, but I feel I, I also feel like it's given a new generation more interested like VHS horror and like the stuff from the like the you know that I know in the aughts people weren't talking about that I'm hearing people talk about day after day now, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping have you that... ever seen? I'm sorry. Have you ever seen the cover to uh, my best friend's Exorcism? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Looks is like one the of the coolest book covers. That's like straight. That you want to talk nostalgia? That's straight nostalgia. I mm-hmm. love it. But like even like you see it and like maybe because it wasn't written in the 80s, Grady Hendrix. I don't know when he wrote it, but like you just see it and you're like, well, that's just not modern at all. That is. Right. It's just yeah. I mean, it's something. I, if they did a line of nostalgic king releases like you know the original paperback you know paperback of the original hardcover of misery mm-hmm. i guarantee people would be people would be drawn to them in the bookstores like i mean oh, yeah. more so than king's name mm-hmm. well it's happening i mean it, this is not to go too much on a tangent but like i'm a you know before i was a vinyl collector um which was my obsession before books was action figures and one of my things was finding carded action figures especially with like uh you know kenner stuff and you're seeing it now. They're all being reissued because these all these these action figure companies are like, whoa, what, what are we fucking idiots? Like we have all these molds that are in the background. Why don't we just take them back, put them in the mark, you know, the the put them in the production line again? It doesn't cost us really much anything. We've given to exclusives mm-hmm. to like Walmart and stuff like 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 they did that this this summer, um, you know, because Ghostbusters Afterlife was supposed to happen in July. Uh, you know, much to my chagrin, it didn't. But um, <laughs> they 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 were like Kenner was or not Kenner, but Hasbro was like, all right, well, we're gonna do redo the first four figures in the real Ghostbusters line with. Stay puffed and, and Slimer, and they put them in Walmart, and it was huge. Like people, even during the pandemic, when before people were you know like more open to actually going to the, the locations, I mean the online sales went like were sold out within seconds, and they are people are fighting for them. Uh, in the stores and the same thing are happening with Hasbro and the Kenner thing. So like nostalgia is actually becoming like the, the, the companies are being hip to it. Like or they're, they're hip to the idea that like the stuff in the past that had a little more artistic integrity than say, Oh, Hey, let's just slap a blue card with star Wars on it. And then put in a new star Luke Skywalker figure. Like they're, they're figuring it out. And I, and I, and I mm. wonder, especially now in the pandemic where a lot of publishers are actually struggling, um, I wonder if that's going to be something that they, they kind of go back to. And they're like, well, you know, and they, they've done it in the past. I mean, they did it with Catcher in the Rye. I mean, you can you can go walk through any of the Barnes and Nobles or any local bookstores. They still exist around your house and um, your apartment or wherever you live. And you could see some of the older books that were these first editions back in like the forties and the fifties. And they're around there and they, they, they sit on these, these tables. They're ready to be picked up. I mean, you could look, you can grab you know covers that look like you know the original catch 22 when it was for first release so i imagine a lot of these authors from the 70s and 80s this stuff is just it's bound to happen um mm-hmm. 
But I feel um, Funko plays on nostalgia big time. Oh God, yeah. I mean, and that's that's a big thing. I mean, it's and it makes sense. That's like, probably why I have three hundred of them. I'm like, well, I need more <laughs> Buffy ones because I love Buffy when I was sixteen, and I need you know Nightmare Before Christmas because I watched that when I was you know yeah however old it was i still love it and this and that the bat forget the tim, when they released the tim burton batman ones i was like i need these immediately yeah. i love the tim burton batman movie so much that i broke the tapes when i was little yeah i mean it's just it's just it's if, as far as i'm concerned it's just like wait and see that's what i always say um mm-hmm. but hey we, we we already picked the forgotten let's go and let's just dive right into the greatest and we're gonna share our our, our favorites uh paul let's start with you um what is uh, you know your favorite or what do you would you consider the greatest Stephen King cover well I you know we've probably talked about them already but um I'd say Pet Cemetery. Mm. um it um, you know I really like um yeah Dog Tower 4 Dave McKean Wizard in Glass I think that's a great Ooh, image yeah where he's bought a bullet there and he's put the bullet in his mouth yeah um I like Needful Things, Rob Wood. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Same. Same. <laughs> hey, I got you, man. Um, I'm just kind of scanning through them real quick. So, yeah. And then, you know, definitely the Don Brodigan, I'd say the stand, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And paper. Yeah. Um, oh, that's the one with like the uh, the the like, uh, you could see like the the crow with the eye in the sky. yeah. God, mm-hmm. I love that one. That one's so yeah. cool. Yeah, um, uh, those I think are some of the best. Yeah, but there's so many. I mean, it's hard to just say this one or that. <laughs> uh, you know, whenever you're asked, at least for me, when I'm asked the question, "What's your top five this or your top three that?" and it's or "What's your best movies of all time?" Yeah, you know, it's so hard to pick one from the other. At least for me, you know. Oh, I agree. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'll say with, like, all the Twitter prompts that have been going on lately, it's just, like, four favorite horror movies or five mm-hmm. favorite scenes. I'm just, like, <laughs> the minute I tweet it, I'll walk away and go grab a cup of coffee in my kitchen. I'm just, like, fuck, I should have done that one. What are you nuts? Uh-huh. Like, right. it's, never, it's never cemented. But, uh, uh, Rachel, what about you? What, what, what would you consider is the iconic, the greatest cover? Well, my, my favorite, my personal favorite is Firestarter. Mm-hmm. I just, I love just like the simplicity of it and the subtlety and it's just, I don't know. I just, I love everything about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, most iconic, I would say Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. um, the Linda Fenimore cover. Um, but another thing that I, like a favorite thing that I love about a lot of his covers, and I don't think that we've mentioned is the wraparound covers. Oh, um, yeah. Like I really, I don't think it's necessarily one of the greatest, but from a Buick eight. Mm-hmm. I love how it's got, you know, the Buick on one side and the cop car on the other. And he's got mm-hmm. so many of those covers that if you actually unfold them, it tells, you know, a bigger story. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just so cool. And it's one of my favorite things about his, you know, his whole, you know, all of his books together is that he has so many of those. I think it's a really cool artistic, you know, through line that he's got. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I didn't even, th- when I was trying to come up with a breakdown, I was like looking through my collection. I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot about pop-ups. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he has like the pop-up books and stuff. And like the girl with Lo- love Tom Gordon, which is totally separate from everything else he's done. It, it really is kind of hard to like pigeonhole like into one. Um, 
I, I will say I'm loving the fact that like we're all naming Pet Cemetery though. But um, <laughs> and, and speaking of Pet Cemetery, I know someone that is terrified of Pet Cemetery. Uh, Jen, uh, <laughs> give us your iconic, yes. your favorite. What do you consider the greatest? Um, I do love the Pet Cemetery one. I think uh, my favorite is Firestarter, um, though. I just love it. I also have recently just been obsessed with that book. And I think the like that's just a story about a little girl with fire in her, and that's what the cover <laughs> is. And I just love it. Um, I think the iconic one, when I think about it, is The Stand. Mm-hmm. Um, with them, I jokingly say... Um, and I didn't come up with this, but it, I've always thought about it as a uh, Luke Skywalker fights Crow Man. I always thought um, of Luke Skywalker too, because it's like the Tatooine yeah. fatigues. It seems just like that. right, and it has nothing to do with the story. I mean, I no. guess the, the it like represents the themes, but like there are no Crow Men that fight Luke Skywalker in that book. But I just that's another one that I grew up looking at um, on my dad's shelf, and I had we had the paperback, of course, with like the metallic orange and them on the side uh, on the the spine fighting. And then on the front, I'm like, I gotta read, I gotta find out about this crow man. And then I read it after the miniseries. And I was like, okay, I still like it. Well, yeah. what's interesting is that like, <laughs> the, the uh, so the Sam miniseries arrives in like '94, which is mm-hmm. I want to say three years removed from when Hollywood was just like obsessed with having all their movies start with animation. Um, like you go back to like so many movies around this era, like the early nineties, late era, late eighties, and pretty much every major motion picture starts with like, you know, like new line presents or like Fox presents or universal presents. And then it cuts to like some animation that they commission that has really nothing to do with any of the movie. Like, like don't tell mom, the babysitter's dead starts with animation. <laughs> like it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And, but, but the thing is, is that would have been cool is if you had like, the beginning credits for the stand and it was like the two of those guys like fighting sword yeah. fighting and like the 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 deserts like you know um, that would be awesome you know, gary sinise <laughs> as Stu redmond um hey you know what maybe that's how the miniseries will start hey CBS All Access. we don't know we, we'll, we'll, we don't know we'll certainly find out um <laughs> coming in december hey it's, a, it's gonna yeah. be a king miss can't wait um <laughs> <laughs> jason what about you what do, what do you consider the greatest cover oh man i got a few. I love the covers to the individual installments of the Green Mile. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hardcover copies of Joyland. That is one that came up so much during when I asked the when I pulled the constant listeners. Like everyone was talking about Joyland. Um, I don't like so much the uh, original release, the soft cover, because it looks kind of, I guess, cartoony. Mm-hmm. But there, he released a hardcover after they released the soft cover. And then there's actually a special edition hardcover from the UK that I have. I, I think it's done by the same artist, but it's it, it's very. I just I think it's phenomenal. And yeah. I also love the cover to eleven twenty two sixty three. I think it's so clever. I do you too. Want to talk yeah. about the wraparounds. You got the. Uh, I love how the front cover is. You know JFK slain in Dallas. JBL takes. Oh, let me pull it out. And the back one is JFK escapes assassination. Love First that. lady. So okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. I mean. It's it's just it's very simple but but clever. Yeah, and it works. That's what the book is. Mm-hmm. I, I remember yeah. when so when 2011 came around and that was pretty much circulating around all my friends. We all just bought like one copy. Sorry, King. Um, and we shared <laughs> it around with all our friends. And I remember like giving it finally to my dad who had hadn't read a King book and uh, probably since like I don't know Christine or Cujo. And he's just like, 
oh man, he's still making these books. And I was like, yeah, he's still making these books. What are you like living <laughs> under a rock? And like, um, so he like picks up the book and he, like turns it around. He's like, whoa, this looks pretty cool. Like, I guess he's going to stop time or whatever. I was like, dad, you're gonna have to find out. Um, <laughs> and it, it really is like, it's a smart one to have like in the bookshelves for like the, you know, for people that are walking through back when borders was still a thing or like beat all. I don't know why I keep using these archaic stories. Like, I might as well just throw babbages <laughs> in there. Um, but no, um, you know, like Walden books, like, you know, that's another archaic story. I, whatever is Barnes and Noble. If you're like walking passing through it, that's still around. <laughs> I know. I, Cause I buy Funkos from there, but if you're picking up that book, you're going to be, you know, it pulls you in. Um, everyone still the cover. It's it, still the printed cover. I mean, they had the, yeah. uh, there's the UK version, and then I think there was one for the uh, the James Franco miniseries. But if you go now, it's the hardcover in paperback, and I think there's a stamp on it that says you know, also a Hulu series. So yeah. imagine nine years later, and you, it's the same cover. They did not they did not make the decision. We need to change the cover. Well, I, I think they've they've also uh, there's certain James Franco is probably not going to be great on the cover uh, for a bunch of them at this point. So uh, they're probably like, all right, let's just keep stick to this uh, the, this cover. It's cool. It's red. It's black. Um, everyone's already mentioned the ones I saw. I, I love Pet Cemetery. I mean, I want to say this is probably far away the best cover in this catalog. I, I love the reds. I love that font, and I love the fact that. One of my favorite parts of last year's uh, reimagining was the fact that they used the font um, in the marketing materials for it. I was just so giddy when I saw that. And I, and I know um, Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Winmeyer are huge uh, constant readers. That I love that, that attention to detail. But I also really wanted to kind of digress a little bit on needful things because um, this is certainly a print that I'm going to buy from you, Paul, before the end of the year. Um, (laughs) it's just something, there's something really creepy and comforting about it. Um, there's, it kind of reminds me of, uh, definitely one of King's influences, Bradbury. Um, it it has that small town charm Mm. that in folksiness that really kind of captures needful things. Like I hadn't even read the book. And when I thought of Castle Rock, um, long before you know Ed Harris is screaming his fucking head off in, in the in the the movie, um, I th- thought about this cover. I mean, this cover just is so of it. And like my girlfriend actually brought up a good point that was like it almost feels like Nighthawks. Um, mm. That it, it, especially when you look at the like the bigger version of it, um, and and I think that's one of the things I love about it. It, it reminds me of one of the things I love about spooky things and and spooky stories is that it reminds me of just like sitting in my bedroom. And being under the covers and looking out like the window and seeing like you know a town below or basically anything that Washington Irving ever put to paper and I, I don't know I just I love I love that cover and and it, it kills me when I like look at the newer covers that they have for Needful Things and I'm just like no <laughs> like you have like one of the you have like a piece that could be in the MoMA and like I don't know why you don't use it so for me that's just I love that piece the new one's pretty good but the, the green font. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's just something about that. It's just so the 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 the, the artwork. It looks like it's it's like on the level of like Drew Struzan artwork for like a Lucasfilm. God, I've talked about Star Wars enough on here. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just love it. I just it's just something that's it's so gorgeous and and honestly, like um, going back to some of the days of you know when being in art class in elementary school. Um, you know, the area of emphasis is what my teachers would always, uh, you know, stress. And when I was looking at the the spread of covers that you have, Paul, on your website, like my eyes went right to two. 
in which was mm. needful things and the in nightmares and dreamscapes and it's that sunset it's he captures the, the oh, northeastern other... sunset you know yeah like in in, in needful things the, the way he painted the sky i love it mm-hmm. it's just the coloring of the sky yeah and then on the one side of the street where the the buildings are kind of dark and and it gives you a sense really for the time like the evening probably mm-hmm. early evening you know yeah mm-hmm. uh, i love time it of... it's uh, so cozy you take cover the which one the UK cover of Evil Things, the original print. I have not seen this one. It's actually pretty interesting. I mean, there's a picture of Elvis in the window for some reason, but there's a <laughs> ray of light, and everything the the ray of light is touching, like part of the letters and Evil Things, and the windowsill is all burning or being yeah, torn apart. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we. Yeah. This one, you know what? This is actually one that we haven't released yet, but we got this one, the UK cover for Needful Things. It's very different. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very I'm ill. not the biggest fan of the UK covers, um, but like this one, I, ha- I I I had to go out of my way and get because I I just love this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I actually think it's like one of the moments where needful things might be. I think there's a lot of problems story wise with the book and then also the movie, but like aesthetically and 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 marketing wise, like they all kind of really nailed it. I I, I mean, like you look at even like the 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 poster, the theatrical poster for the movie. And it captures the same feeling that the book does. And I don't know. That, and that's um, what I love the most about that movie yeah. and that book. And that's when I look at that picture, like it's Castle Rock. And I love Castle Rock. Right. You know, and I just want to be there. You know? Yeah. 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 I, like to, I like to imagine that the Castle Rock series like, is still in the, the universe of that, that movie, even though that yeah. makes no sense. And Scott Glenn looks nothing like Ed Harris. But yeah. Um, <laughs> um, People Things is also a great example of a rap cover, you know, that's a landscape piece that on the book you, you tend not to, well, you don't experience it in the same way um, because you've got all that big cover type over the image, right, over the mm-hmm. art. Um, and, of course, it's necessary. I understand that. But I'm just looking at the print that we, we did, and this is when you really get to experience the artwork of the cover. Mm-hmm because there's no type and you see the full landscape image without having to, you know, take the jacket off the book and spread it down the oh, tape. You, you know, you're right. I'm actually holding the book right now and I didn't even realize that the back actually has the storefronts with like what looks like candles. Right. You candles. don't see that yeah. back. You're just looking like, at the book. Yeah. That is so cool. God, I like love it. Like yeah. so-and-so and like Nan. Uh, it's so Aww. gorgeous. Just uh, perfect, perfect fall cover. Um, yeah. I think we kind of address iconic, but... I'm going to double down. If you had to choose, not the greatest, but the one that like, if you mentioned Stephen King, we already asked you before, when I say King, what's the first cover that comes to mind? What do you think is the first cover that, that comes to mind for the general populace? Um, Jen, for you, um, what would you? I, I think I would say the stand. Yeah, I think. Same. But I also want to give a shout out to the Misery um, insert with him on the um, the as Fabio basically. Oh my God. I love that <laughs> so right. much. That's like I one of my <laughs> favorite things ever. I was, yeah. I saw that when I saw that the first time, when I read it, I was just like, this is perfection. <laughs> I know. I just love that. They thought to do that. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I, I had this, I had the stand also. I, I was actually yeah. surprised. What, one of the things that I've learned throughout this entire pandemic is how many people, um, it feels like everyone and their mother literally, has read the stand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I feel like every every other day, I feel like someone's still reading it, or they're saying they're rereading it. And 
even on Facebook where all our you know parents are and folks are, they, they, I just feel like everyone's talking about this book. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, this, like, did everyone read this? I mean, this is wild. It's like the Bible of like modern literature at this point. Like it, it's yeah. wild. I, and, and I, so I, I agree. I think that the original cover um, by John Kea um, and especially with the type font that um, uh, Elizabeth Levine did, uh, it just really kind of stands out. And especially with merchandise mm-hmm. right now, I feel like I've seen so many people wearing the shirts with that. Even um, though I see a lot of the, the, the shirts with the, the paperback version, um, there is something, the good and evil of it feels very mm-hmm. intrinsic to King. Um, Rachel, yeah. Rachel, what about you? What, what would you say is one that like is ubiquitous, the most ubiquitous cover? I think it, mm-hmm. you know, the one where it's got like the, the, the boat and like the claw, like reaching out of the, like the sewer grate or whatever. I think that one's pretty, that's probably one of the top ones I would imagine that come to the general public's mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have a funny uh, quote from our uh, constant listeners later on that I'm share that that literally <laughs> proves your point. Um, there that that backs up your point. Cool. Um, uh, Jason, what about you? What what would you say is ubiquitous? The most ubiquitous cover? If you were to th- basically pull the the audience without looking at the data, which book cover do you think you're going to say? Oh man! Uh... Oh my God! It's either The Shining or Pet Cemetery. It's like Sophie Stewart's. <laughs> Yeah. I want to say, I want to say the, I want to say the Shining, just because I, I feel like it's more iconic in general than Pet Cemetery. I mean, maybe by a margin, but it's it's just a more popular book. Therefore, the the cover is probably more. Yeah, I gotta go with the Shining. <laughs> well, the thing I think is interesting about the Shining that I've that I've seen over the years with a lot of the reprints, and maybe this is why King has such a chip on his shoulder about it, but. <laughs> you know, with Kubrick's version and obviously na- the iconography of Nicholson b- busting through the door, I feel like the 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 icon that they put in all the reissues and all the reprints of the books is not even in the original portrait that was on their first edition, which is the the door. Like I see mm-hmm. the door on all of the other ones, as opposed to say the Stanley hotel being on there, the, the boy that's fucking terrifying. That's on the front, like the, the, the topiography <laughs> or the topiary animals and, you know, Warren Beatty on the cover. Like I, I just, there's just, you don't see any of it. You just see the door. And it's mm-hmm. so funny how I, I imagine publishers, like, you know, you just got the guy in the back and I always just imagine everyone that's a suit, even uh, just the same way, just sitting there, just like, give them what they want. They want the, they want the door give them the axe with the door. <laughs> um, you know, but anyway. Um, Paul, what about you? What, what would you say is the most ubiquitous cover in his catalog? Well, I, I'm going to just throw one out there that has not been mentioned at all because, you know, I could just say The Shining and Pet Cemetery, which I agree with everybody. It, they are iconic. Um, but there's one I think that um, definitely stands out and was very popular as a print, and that is the paperback of The Shining with that Murad oh, cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that one. A lot of people remember that one for some reason. What's yeah. funny is one of your earliest interviews uh, about this collection, uh, I remember seeing one of the write-ups for it, and at the very bottom of the news article, they said, 
Oh, here's hoping they finally get the paperback version of The Shining. <laughs> and then I look back <laughs> at the gallery and it's sold out. Like it's just oh, completely wow. gone. Um, so clearly that struck a nerve with people. And and, and I believe in our, our episode somewhere in the four hours, uh, I, I think it was Dan Caffrey, fellow loser Dan Caffrey, who said that that was the cover that scared him the most as a kid. Mm. Um, the mirrored image of the child. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that one. I think that's... That's a good. I mean, that's, yeah. That's the only reason that cover exists. Actually, is that article that was posted? I think it was on Sci-Fi. Um, there was an article written at, the, and at the end, like you just said, it was said. It, yes, there was a one-liner by the person who wrote the article. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, hope you can, hopefully, whatever. I don't remember what it said, but I hope you can do this thing. So then, I, you know, there was. I think it was done in-house. There was no artist that I know of for it. So we went out and got permission to do it. So we recreated it. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, with printer. it was the only one of the series that was on that. Um, it was not on like a J.Clay art printer. It was just printed because of the, the shiny, you know, mirror effect. That's so cool. I, I, that, that's actually, uh, that's wild too. They, they wouldn't have, maybe, I wonder if it was just like the publisher just like last minute being like, oh, wait, wait. We, house. Yeah. Like we couldn't find anything about it. So I ended up going to the publisher and, they, you know, they looked into it, got back to me, and just gave me permission to to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, but like you say, it's one of the few prints on the store that's actually out of print. Actually, the reason, the real reason it's out of print is several of them got damaged, and mm. um, that affected the number, the quantity that was available. But it's it was definitely a very popular one because I just found a lot of people remembered that that mm-hmm. cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just so striking. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of striking. Uh, let's talk about spooky because the last, uh, our last category is the scariest cover. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> what is the cover, uh, that scares you and makes you lose sleep? There's two that I've always thought are really kind of scary in their own way. One would be Cujo. Mm, um, yeah. cause I, I love dogs. I'm, you know, my, I'm a big dog person and I always have been. And so like seeing a dog in that way and not really, and not knowing why, like if you haven't read the book, um, or, you know, seen the film or anything. It's just, you know, you don't know what's going on with this dog. So that's always <laughs> really been really scary to me. Um, and then also Dolores Claiborne. Yeah. Um, just the perspective of that artwork and just, you know, the way she's standing there with the, you know, the eclipse happening. It's just, it's it's scary in a different kind of claustrophobic sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, yeah, both of those are unsettling to me these are great choices <laughs> i mean the cujo one is so like gnarly you mm-hmm. know there's like this like kind of like 70s uh, almost grayish brown it almost looks like drool like the color of drool for the cover mm-hmm. there's there's something i don't know why i have it like on the oh, i think we were taking photos of it for the anniversary last week but we were like my, my girlfriend boards dogs and um so <laughs> one of the dogs was like laying on the ground and it was like right next to Cujo and and, and just like looking at it the other day. And I was just like, man, this really is kind of a, a gross cover. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just it's like, you know, wash my hands or something like that after it. Um, well, Jen, what about you? What was the one that just keeps you up in the night? <laughs> it keeps you um, up at night, like at three in the morning, you wake up and you're just like, oh, that book cover, yeah. I can't handle it. <laughs> um, I think like when I was a kid, it was the Salem's Lot cover. Um, mm. that was just all black and it had just like the blood dripping. And also the night shift with the hand. I, I just remember looking at that and like, what is going on with this hand? What is happening in this book? 
Um, those are the ones I think that just are so minimal and intriguing that they just kind of got in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Jason. Oh, um, the it soft cover we spoke about, um, with the eyes and the grate with the balloon and the water pouring into it. Uh, definitely that one, but there was a bunch of signet, um, paperbacks that they released. I want to say mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, all a lot of those covers are really, really creepy. And of course, I'm on Google Image and I can't find a single one of them. <laughs> Joe stands the mind with the dogs, kind of like the the hardcover, but the dogs' teeth are in the the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, the stand with the 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 Reaper on the horse. Mm. So definitely that era. Whoever was creating those books definitely had a creepy you know aura to them mm-hmm. yeah yeah well paul when you're walking yeah. <laughs> around these covers uh, uh surrounded by it what is one that just kind of you're like all right i get the hell out of here <laughs> yeah um i also agree the the it first edition or the it paperback edition um the uk the uk it paperback um uh, there's also a couple others. So there's this limited edition of Desperation with the sheriff on the cover, and he's mm-hmm. got on mates, right? He's yeah. got this really evil look on his face and his eyes. It's very mm-hmm. unsettling. Um, uh, I also find, you know, the the skeleton crew monkey from Don Brodigan mm-hmm. mm-hmm. kind of unsettling, unnerving. Um, like the Bachman books. I know you just said one, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the Bachman books with the skulls trailing off into the distance you know those for me are probably some of the more unsettling ones yeah the the, the there's something i don't know what it is about like that that monkey with the the, the clanging like drum set i remember my my grandmother uh her boyfriend um one time i was like hanging out with my grandmother it's you know sweet afternoon and she's like oh we're gonna stop by you know you know my boyfriend's place and i was like okay sure um, like, you know, just, just give me a TV. I just want to watch television. And <laughs> I remember on top of his television, this guy, this fucking guy had like one of that, mon- the, the clanging monkey thing. It's like, I can't do this. Like you just, you just got to go in the closet. And like, I got in trouble for moving it. And I was like, well, why'd you move it? And I was like, well, because it's terrifying. It's like grinning mm-hmm. at me. You, you know, you guys are somewhere else. God knows what you're doing at that point. Um, and, and so like, I'm, I'm sitting in the living room alone in this house that I don't know. I've never been here before. It's kind of dark. There's overshade. And this monkey staring at me and all I'm waiting for is just this thing to clang on by itself. So it is very, very menacing. Mm-hmm. And that was one that I, that I had on there just cause it's, if I, it's one of the ones that I, usually when I found first editions, I would put it, the, the new one on top of my shelf and just like have it as display. You know, I don't really have many people go through my bedroom, but for me, it was like, <laughs> well, look at that. You found it. Um, so it was nice to have it on display. Um, so, but that was one that I was just like, nah, nope, you're going right into the bookshelf. Um, mm-hmm. Another one, and I'm going to blame my dad on this one. He's a, he's a publisher and he's got all these, you know, writing friends and, I remember hanging out at all his, uh, all their houses in South Florida and just me being the, the curious one, I'd go through the, you know, people's library and I do this with every party. Sorry if anyone invites me (laughs) over to their house, I'm just going to go through your book collection. Um, I remember falling, uh, into his King collection and this might be actually one of my earliest instances with King and he had a first edition of, uh, of the shining 
And at that point, I had pretty much known about the mythology of The Shining. It's just how it, like, oh, this is a terrifying movie, the blood, blah, blah, blah. But that kid's face, it, it, it almost looks like, I don't know if you, does anyone remember, like, the photo? Um, I think they use it in the beginning of The Conjuring too. but, like, the, the Warren case files of, like, the Amityville case where you see, like, the quote-unquote ghost that's, like, in the hallway, like, next to the stairwell, and you see the boy with, like, the eyes that are, like, beaming out. They almost look like mm-hmm. um, Janos from Ghostbusters 2. Like, <laughs> that, that, that image for me like I'm, I'm getting like hair standing up just like it's just sitting here thinking about it but like the kid on the cover of the shining has that same effect and i just remember like throwing the book and just running out of the room and and just being mm. like i don't want to look at the book i don't want to see it and it's still it, it's still effective like when i'm was going through the covers here for this episode that one came up and i just had to like kind of stare up at the the, the text because i just like don't like the way that the kid looks and <laughs> Um, which is funny because he's the hero. So um, mm. <laughs> how about that? Um, but so, yeah, I think I would go with the original Shining. I think I still think there's something really genuinely terrifying about it. And it kind of it captures the isolation of it with, like, the use of white um, and the topiary animals, which they've never really been able to capture correctly on screen. Sorry, McGarris. Mm. Um, just there's <laughs> yeah. something really kind of creepy about him. But, um, well, hey. We're not alone with our responses. Uh, over the weekend, I asked our constant listeners, uh, specifically our uh, Patreon subscribers, uh, for their thoughts on the King's cover. And I thought I'd read a few of them. Um, Alexander Sanford wrote, It isn't my favorite book, but I'm pretty sure that cover is responsible for about 70% of King's readership. Uh, so yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was the uh, the quote, Rachel, that I was talking about before. Uh, but um, uh, Allison Thurkild uh, wrote, a, okay, obviously so many covers are great. I think we'd agree with her. Uh, and a few not so great looking at you, two crazy dancing demons on the cover of the stand. Uh, we don't agree. Uh, I think Damn. most of us would probably say, actually, Allison, sorry, that's a pretty good cover. Um, but two votes. Dancing Luke Skywalker. Dennis. Yeah, come on. Right. Um, but two go- votes get my, 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 my votes at the moment. Bag of Bones is so creepy and looks like how the story feels. And I just adored Joyland. Bought it the last minute on my way to the cabin in the Vermont woods, and it was perfect little bonbon of a Stephen King story. I love the pulpy style cover, um, and we're getting another pulpy style King cover next week, uh, next year um, with his next book. How about that? Um, uh, Cameron Dufresne, uh, relation to Andy. Uh, I'm partial <laughs> to that of event- everything's eventual, which is a gorgeously illustrated depiction of lunch at the Gotham Cafe. The stark white and red color scheme, the drop of blood swirling down the glass of water, which serves as the only indication of horror. Subtle, eerie, beautiful. Would you agree? Uh, does anyone remember the Everything's Eventual cover? Yeah, I do really like now that Now that you described it, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I like that book a lot, too. I'm, I'm like dying to get to that one. I, one of my, um, my godmother gave me that book and was just loves that book and... I think I started late at night and I was just like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is like a 700 page <laughs> book. Um, Sean Donahue, Sean Donahue um, wrote, I also vote the stand because it's interesting without giving anything away about the story. Uh, the original cover for it is iconic. Look at that. And as a kid, the original cover of Cujo freaked me out. Sean, uh, you, you need to, <laughs> you need to hang out with Rachel because you, I think you guys both have the same yep. choice. It's crazy. Um, and then, uh, Joanna McKee. Oh man. 
So when I was looking for a copy of It to buy, I originally read a library copy, but I wanted to own it. I found Japanese editions of the book online, and I'm not really sure what the deal is with them, but I think the covers are amazing. They look like paintings, uh, and there's one that has the small silhouettes of the losers holding hands in the barons with what I think is the standpipe in the background, and I think that's so beautiful. All the American editions of It really emphasize It itself in its clown form, and I wish there was a good American edition that alluded more to the losers. Anyway, all that being said, <laughs> uh, love the original Salem's Lot cover. Well, that's a pivot. Uh, and <laughs> I'm really partial to my pocketed book edition of uh, different seasons with the train tracks. I, I, I like those one also. Um, does anyone Has anyone seen the Japanese covers of it? I, I've never seen that before. That's, hmm. No, but there's also a Serbian cover that is horrifying. Oh, God. Oh, wow. it, yeah, so you should look that one up. <laughs> I wonder if it's as scary as a Serbian film. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luke Willoughby, uh, The Shining First Edition, terrible. Looks like a crappy RPG, but maybe I'm just bitter because I can't afford it. Luke, I think you are better because as from as far as I'm concerned, I can't afford it either, and I still don't have a first edition of it. So, um, and uh, uh, two more, uh, Panthera uh, Tigris, jeez, uh, uh, Firestarter original hardback is my absolute favorite. It is the first book I read in the library, and I finally bought it for myself to have. Had to get rid of cigarette smoke smell. Ironic, maybe, but now it's perfect. A little worn, loved, old, but that flame on the cover. I agree. Mm-hmm. Man, the, the, the artwork on that was really cool. I think like that would be like a cool shirt if you just were able okay. to kind of wrap around some, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, last Bradley Esqueda, most definitely the original hardcover art for the dark tower three, the wastelands, that image of the Dutch Hill house coming to attack Jake as the rest of the cadet tries to pull him from the doorway is an unforgettable image. And my favorite image from the entire series, I would go as, far as to say that might be one of the most if not the most iconic image of the dark tower um the whole wooden thing with the mouth the maw like so much so that i mean even for as little as they put in that movie (laughs) that sequence was still in there um Mm -hmm. so i don't know anyway those were what our uh constant uh constant listeners thought but um you know, we've reached the end. I, I, I am first off. I apologize. This is in Losers Club fashion, we went way <laughs> over long. So uh, I just want to thank everyone here on this panel for uh, spending the time on a Monday night talking about uh, Stephen King uh, covers. Uh, Jason, what's next for you? Well, I'm currently working on uh, my next novel. Um, I got a bunch of ideas. I just got to actually sit down and write them. But can I just say we we didn't talk about the scariest thing about Stephen King books? What is it? Uh, his author photos. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Okay, <laughs> let's do a real quick round robin, and everyone share their favorite Stephen King author photo. I, I that's a good point, Jason. What for you? What is what is one that like really sticks out to you? Oh, it's got it's got to be Misery. He's got the glasses in his hand. He's got the thumb in the mouth, the mustache. Paul, you should do a special line of. Oh prints of just Stephen King's <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> 80s uh, and, oh also on the back of his uh Dark Tower the first four books there's like a then and now of him with the big glasses on the typewriter mm-hmm. I mean we can pretty much name all of them but I'll let you guys name some of us. <laughs> I, I was gonna what say the hell? I, I actually like that photo a lot <laughs> which one the... the one the one you just said the one on on misery um <laughs> And his unibrow, can't forget that. It just it just stays in my <laughs> mind because 
it's one of the first books I ever saw, and that was the photo I saw of him. You know, so mm-hmm. I like it actually. <laughs> is that is that your choice also, Paul? Yes, it's <laughs> nice. a, I was just about to say the same one. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Rachel, do you recall any uh, of the photos enough to say which one is your favorite? Well, that one that they were talking about, but also like that that newspaper like yes! photo of him, like right after he wrote Carrie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Just insane. Love it. <laughs> like, yeah, that I've one always... is just. So amazing. <laughs> I always wondered if they did that like out of spite. They're like, oh, here's that fucking crazy guy that, we, you know, we're going to get him. He's so successful now. We're just going to put this photo in there because it's wild. One way it looks like Charles Manson. Yes. Ex- yeah. and, and Manson yeah. exactly what I said, like in the, the past episode. It, it, he looks like like he, you know, he's on the farm and like Cliff from uh, Once Upon a Time and Hollywood is going to walk up and punch him or something like that. Um <laughs> Oof, good, good one. I I was actually going to say one too, but uh, Jen, what about you? Um, I'm not sure if this is actually an author photo, but I love the one where he has like the crow in his hand or something, mm. and he's just like, like cosplaying spooky as much as he can, and it's just, it's, I love it. It's so weird. Well, I I, I got to go with the reason why I probably have um uh you know so many court. I'm going to have I'm, they're going to slap some sort of um what is it what do they call it like a jurisdiction when you like have to stay away from someone I can't remember what oh, like a restraining line. order, a restraining order. <laughs> I'm going to have a, given my tweets to King about Molly the thing of evil and how much I mm. love corgis I just I just love the one with uh, I believe it's Frodo the corgi that's underneath him while he's writing I want a poster of this. Like if I had, a, if I was still in dorms, um, I would love to have a black and white photo of him, like just sitting there reading. Um, and with the, with Frodo, the Corgi underneath him. I just, I love that yeah. photo. I love the fact that he loves Corgis. If we ever got a chance to talk to him, I know 20 minutes, 25, maybe an hour is going to be dedicated just to the joy of the Corgi. So um, <laughs> that's the cover of on writing, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I think yeah. So. Yeah. I, I just, it's such a cute photo. And, um, Nowadays, kind of, kind of got to admit, he's got to bring Molly the Thing of Evil in there. I mean, he's he, it's it's uh, it's about time. Even though I will say, in terms of Hunky King, this this post ninety nine um, Crash King, where he's gaunt, he not Leland Gaunt, but Gaunt, um, he's just looks great, just absolutely great. I love his shaggy hair. I think he looks so hip. Um, he's got the dad jeans on, but he pulls it off really well. Um, so uh, yeah, just love it. Um, but Jason, you didn't finish. What, what, what do you got coming up? Uh, you know, just please. You you went on. To, I didn't mean to have this steamrolled. What else you got? <laughs> well, Mike, just so you know, they're making a Molly Funko. I know. Oh, I just trust me. I ordered it the second you dropped. So you know, again, I'm talking restraining order here right. for corgis. I'm, you know. just, I'm just writing, reading, collecting more Funkos than I have space for. But my main focus is on Funko. No, I'm kidding. It's it's on. <laughs> It's on. It's on writing. Um, so hopefully, um, I have a book out. Probably not this year, but next year. But I, I released one last year, so you know I'm, I'm pretty good for a little bit. Well, tell <laughs> us the book uh, title, please. Uh, if, last year's. Yes. If I could have lived another day. Great title. Yeah. Great. A novella about a man who loses his wife to cancer. That's that's tough. That's tough. Um, Rachel, what do you have coming up? Um, we are getting ready for the next record store day drop on the 26th here at record exchange. And then, uh, as far as writing goes, 
I've got two monthly editorials with Nightmare on Film Street every month, and I'm really excited because this next month is all about um, like spooky sounds and soundtracks and Ooh. all that sort of stuff, which is 100% my jam. So very excited about that. And then um, covering Salem Horror Fest as well. So oh, very nice. excited for that. Yeah, so that'll be exciting. They've got some great panels and some great films. So I encourage everybody to check it out if they get a chance. I'm very excited. Uh, we actually just uh, got uh, confirmation on uh, that we're going to be involved in it too, which is, I'm so excited because I'm I'm a huge uh, uh, Gremlins head and um, yes, <laughs> very We've excited. Got so much Gremlin stuff and Joe Dante stuff, and it's yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> well, on the topic of soundtracks and scores, if you had does just to to keep this things vinyl like Desert Island score or even soundtrack uh, if you wanted to go that route um what are what are you taking with you oh man i mean one of my personal favorites is uh rosemary's baby mm. um that one's always been really special to me and it's kind of the one that got me interested in film scores so and i i mean i i you guys are collectors so you understand <laughs> i own way too many copies of it so i'd probably take all you know 10 copies of my <laughs> rosemary's baby and take them all um yeah I, I could never part with that soundtrack for sure i appreciate it i have i think i've bought john carpenter's halloween at least 20 times or something oh yeah it's fucking ridiculous oh, yeah. like mondo yeah. death Waltz, stop please yep i don't need another reissue please god just let me save my money give me i was another. just talking to my coworker today about the hellraiser like hellraiser oh. soundtrack. i was like i don't need another copy of hellraiser but i want it great, great score i love uh, chris yeah. score and that it's just terrifying yes um, uh fun 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 uh well paul w what do you got going on oh man a lot um you know, so I, I kind of stopped collecting books, and now I collect publishing contracts. So <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> we're um, you know, this week we announced another book. Um, we've been announcing a book a month since January, um, and uh, so what I have going on is just a lot of books. You know, we're we're, we're scheduling out. We've got the whole of next year planned out. Uh, working on twenty two right now, twenty twenty two. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and. Um, so that's what's going on, just designing and, and building and publishing books and announcing them. And um, just um, from what I've seen over the last three to four years is making a lot of people really happy, which is my motivation for doing this. You know? What a great MO. I love it. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately envious <laughs> of, <laughs> of the lifestyle you got right now. I love it. Um, Jen, what's next? You got psychoanalysis coming back this week. We do, yeah. We are about to drop our um, episode on paranoia with uh, Fright Night and the Burbs, which Ooh. I am super excited Speaking about. Of Giordante, that's uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really. It turned out to be a really, really good pairing. And then last night we recorded our episode on PTSD in the Descent, so that's going to be coming in about two weeks. And we're starting um, comfort horror minis where we just talk about like our comfort horror movies, which I'm really excited about. And Mike, you're going to be stopping by for our very first one that I'm also super excited to talk about. So. I'm very excited. To, I, you know, when it, you get the mic going, I, I just, just love, <laughs> love going nuts. Uh, I mean, we couldn't talk about Halloween without um, bringing you on. So. I know. I'm, I'm literally staring at like 
six different versions of the VHS that's just on my desk. I don't, I don't even have a VHS player anymore, but whatever. Um, VHS player, a VCR. God, it's been that long. Um, God. Uh, well, how about that? Well, hey, speaking of VCRs and VHSs, uh, the losers are going to take a major uh, classic out of the collection. And, um, you know, we, we just talked about it, actually. Uh, we're talking about Hellraiser. Um we're talking about Hellraiser this Friday, the the crate episode that we're going to be doing, uh, as requested by you, constant listeners. We're going, uh, we're opening the box. We're going to bring the Cenobites out, um, and unfortunately <laughs> for us, we don't have Ashley Lawrence uh, around to save us. So <laughs> hopefully we brave yeah. it. Who knows? Um, as for our next book episode, uh, we are going to be talking about Rose Matter. Uh, so, and Jen, you are on that episode, I believe. I am. Yeah, I've got yeah. about a hundred pages left. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I've I've heard it's a it's a it's a dark book. Um, yep, it's pretty of, intense. Yeah, not a fun one. Um, but uh, that's what we've learned this year uh, in our run of <laughs> uh, Stephen King books. We went from the real fun episodes of the '80s to um, the real uh, dense, dark ones. So um, that is going to land in the regular feed on September 25th. So hey, look, I mean, bottom line, lots of content um, and lots of content for you to take your minds off of the hellfire that is our <laughs> current reality. Um, so look, we'd love to know how we're doing and creating this escape for you. So please, if you haven't already, please, 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 please leave us a review on Apple podcast. Uh, we'd really love some bright red Pennywise clown noses ourselves. Uh, it's because, you know, look, we are your favorite, your devoted, your only losers club. So, um, Thank you, everyone, again, um, for taking the time to talk to me on a Monday evening. This has certainly been my highlight of what was a garbage fire day. Um, <laughs> until then, we will be seeing you over long days. And pleasant, pleasant night. night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, I forgot to do We didn't do the catchphrase. Well, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends.